Thanks for tuning in to the Ecom Growth Leaders podcast. This show is intended to highlight marketing and conversion techniques taught by today's leaders in the ecom world. I'll be interviewing the top marketers that are influencing the market, making an impact, scaling faster than their competitors, and doing good. I'm your host, Samir Al Kamuni, founder and CEO of Fetch and Funnel, a performance marketing agency specializing in omni-channel media buying, creative production, and conversion optimization. If you enjoy anything from today's episode, I highly recommend checking out fetchfunnel.com and sign up for our email newsletter where I promise to only send you content you can learn from and apply directly into your business to improve results and scale. At the end of each episode, my goal is to have you feeling inspired and fired up by learning from today's top innovators, marketers, and entrepreneurs. Let's dig into another amazing story about a unique brand crushing it and learn from their success and learnings. Hey everybody, super excited for another episode of Ecom Growth Leaders. Today, I am super excited to be speaking with Valentin Radu. He is the founder and CEO of an awesome technology company called OmniConvert. He also runs his own academy and he also has an awesome podcast, which we'll dig into. Valentin, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Hey, Samir, and hello, everyone. I'm really excited to, to make this happen together. Likewise. So would love to just kick things off by you just telling the audience more about OmniConvert and, and you know, what, what the brand's all about. Yeah, so we're a, we're a growth enabler for e-commerce companies. We've started nine years ago. I used to be an e-commerce entrepreneur myself. I've been struggling to make uh, ROAS happening by investing a lot on Google ads and Facebook ads. At some point, I've discovered the, the fire, meaning the conversion rate and the optimization of the conversion rate by doing surveys and A-B testing. After that, we reached uh, something like 250,000 customers, active customers. I was selling car insurance here in Bucharest, Romania. Uh, understanding how the e-commerce can grow, grow based on the leveraging the data and the technology, we've decided that this is a great endeavor and a journey to uh, to focus on growing, uh, helping other e-commerce companies grow. And uh, nine years afterwards, we are uh, about 50, 50 people. We serve uh, thousands of e-commerce companies with our technologies. And uh, at this moment, we have uh, uh, two main uh, uh, problems that we're solving. One is the conversion rate optimization problem, and the second one is the customer value optimization problem, which is uh, becoming more and more uh, important and impactful because the acquisition costs are through the roof, as we, all, uh, we are all uh, aware of. Yeah, absolutely. Two things that everyone should be paying attention to, what we preach on this podcast. Definitely want to dig into it. Curious as the company's growing super quickly, you know, as founder and CEO, what does your role look like at OmniConvert these days? Well, I'm uh, doing a lot of uh, hiring. So basically, it's uh, uh, as we are growing, we, we need to, to attract more and more talent people. Also, I'm uh, podcasting a lot. I'm uh, evangelizing the, the concept of customer value optimization. I'm doing this type of uh, cool podcast. I'm meeting a lot of people around the world. Uh, preaching about uh, the the fact that we 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 don't have only to acquire customers that never come back, but we can keep them coming and uh, transform them into promoters or evangelists, however you you want to call it. 
Love it. So I'm curious, I know you spoke, you just said that you had your own e-commerce business and you, you, you tried a lot of things. I'm curious, yep. you know, how did you get into starting OmniConvert? Yeah, so uh, 2012, we were uh, making a lot of money. I've uh, managed to increase the conversion rate by 60%, focusing solely on conversion rate optimization uh, and uh, surveying people. We've we done a lot of crazy stuff like uh, changing the website according to the car maker, tagging custom visitors, and then showing them another landing page with their car model. Uh, we were doing a lot of things to make them feel familiar on our website. For instance, one of the uh, most impactful uh, uh, personalization experiments that we ran was uh, geolocated, well, using the geolocation. So you, you, we, we have a few main cities here in, uh, in Romania. And if you were from, let's say, Constanza, which is at the seaside, you, you got there, we've seen the IP and we were showing you the main square from Constanza, making you feel very open towards buying from us because you thought automatically that we are from your city and we're going to ship it really fast. But we weren't from Constanza, we were from Bucharest. So we've made a lot of uh, A-B tests like that. But the most impactful thing that we, we, we have done was to understand the power of customer retention. In, we were selling online car insurance, MTPL, like motor for party liability. And we realized that if customers will come back and if they will buy again, they, we, we had three, uh, three types of insurance, month to month, six months and 12 months. And based on uh, realizing the impact of customer retention, we've started to do all sorts of uh, follow-ups, all sorts of uh, campaigns, which were triggered automatically. Uh, and uh, basically, we managed to increase the customer retention to something like 83%. And that was crucially uh, important for us because the customer acquisition cost started to go up as we had more competitors, but we could uh, outperform them because we could def uh, afford to pay more to acquire uh, new customers. So it, it it was that systematic approach that allowed me to, uh, to, to understand how growth happens for e-commerce companies. And based on this knowledge, I've, uh, I've launched uh, OmniConvert. To be honest, there were three main reasons to, to get into this new company. The first reason was that I was bored. And after six years doing the same campaigns and ads and whatever, and basically making a living out of it. It wasn't too excited for me, too exciting for me. And I've said, okay, I, I, I want a new thing. The second reason was that it was a huge opportunity to, to, to demonstrate my capabilities as an entrepreneur to the, on the international market. And the third reason was that we, uh, I basically managed to realize that the more I'm struggling with something, the, the faster I'm going to learn. And that seemed like a fantastic, uh, uh, challenge and uh, uh, fortunately enough, I was right, but I was struggled like crazy. And you, you, you must be understanding how how hard it is to to build a company on the international uh, market. However, it was uh, it was fun. It was like a roller coaster, and here we are uh, uh, going uh, going strong and uh, thriving on on this market. That's awesome. Love that story. So. As we're speaking to a lot of e-com business owners, other business owners, marketers out there, I'm curious to hear from you. Um, I know you and I have the same you know, feelings and answer, but should businesses be paying attention to their store conversion rate? And you know, in that, you know, 
what should they be paying attention to? You know, what are some of the early signs they should be paying attention to it? I think there's a lot of businesses that are, you know, they're just Mm -hmm. starting out or they're not doing huge revenue numbers. So they think, Hey, this isn't, this won't necessarily play a huge impact. And so they sort of put it off. Yeah. Curious Mm -hmm. to hear from you, you know, what you think and yeah, what your thoughts are. Yeah. So, uh, Samir, I think what's what's important to 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 start from A to Z. There are some dominant numbers in e-commerce, and some the 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 tip of the iceberg. If you want to grow in e-commerce, is this one. You need profit, which means revenue minus the costs. However, if you look deeper, the revenue is composed of customers and of customer lifetime value. Right. So basically, the, this is moving the needle. If you look more deeper, so one level deeper, customers are being uh, generated by two metrics, traffic, how how many visitors are getting to your website, and the conversion rate. So basically, if you want to increase the revenue, if you want to increase the profit, you need to look deeper and you need to to understand what are the dominant numbers in your e-commerce. Because on one end, we have the traffic and the conversion rate, and most of the market, most of the narrative around e-commerce growth means uh, generate more traffic. However, conversion rate is crucially important as well. I mean, you have, uh, let's say you have 30,000 visits per month, but if your conversion rate is only 1.5%, imagine that what you could be doing if you would be increasing the conversion rate by only 10% versus increasing the traffic by only 10%. So basically the difference is uh, uh, outstanding. And the the idea is to, to understand what kind of dominant numbers do you have and what's the current status. In our academy, for instance, we have a, we have a section which call, is called the e-commerce growth formula, where I, uh, let's say, explain a lot about these things. But fact is that if you want to increase things, if you want to increase the efficiency of your e-commerce, if you want to increase the profitability of your e-commerce, you need to look deeper and you need to optimize for other things, not only for the uh, conversion rate or the traffic or the customer lifetime value. They are all important, but they are not as important, all as important at the same time. And that's why you 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 have to understand the metrics and then how can you move the needle? Because if you don't ask yourself this kind of answers, you will never, these kind of questions, you will never get the, the answers, right? It's, uh, it's that saying that questions create spaces in the mind for the answers to fall into. Without the question, there's no answer. So the question is, what can you do to increase, uh, to improve your e-commerce? Then what can you do to increase the traffic and the ROAS and whatever? You've you've been asking yourself this question for a lot of time, but what if you could change your questions? What can you do to increase the conversion rate? What can you do to increase the to decrease the cart abandonment rate. Because once you ask yourself these questions, you will come up with the with solution. And one of the best methods that I can recommend once you understand the importance of these metrics is to simply ask your customers, right? Ask them what made them buy, what almost stopped them from buying today, what made them come back and buy again for the repeat customers. Once you have the answers to these three simple questions, you will have way more insights to to play around with because the trap of the entrepreneurs and of the marketers is to think that they know better. Well, fact is that uh, ironically or not, uh, even the the customers have less data about your business than you have, they might know things that you don't know because people are not buying products. Yeah, they are buying progress in their lives and your products are the bridge from A to B. 
So if you don't know where the B is, if you don't, don't know where, what's the desired outcome for your customers and where, where they want to go with the products that you're selling, you will shoot in the dark and you will go into the same game that all the e-commerce uh, market is doing right now. Heavy discounting, bombarding them with emails, uh, whatever, you know the drill. And uh, maybe it's time to look at other things and maybe it's time to differentiate yourself from the crowd by doing this type of uh, advanced things, which, by the way, are not as expensive as doubling your ad budget or as, uh, uh, let's say, uh, dangerous as changing your agency. Because I've seen this. Uh, this is a new. Uh, this is a new thing, right? If something is broken, the agency is to blame. But you know, at the end of the day, Facebook ads and Google ads and their algorithms are not working as they used to, and there are more competitors in the market. The demand is not where it used to be because the pandemic is over. And guess what? You're the one, if, if you're an e-commerce leader, you're the one to make the hard decisions. And one of the hardest decisions is, is to, to level up your understanding. And yeah, it's, uh, it, 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 it's easy to do the same things that you've done. But guess what? You can't have different results if you continue to do the same things that you've done uh, already. Yeah, that's right. And you, you don't want to make those assumptions, right? You want, you want to survey exactly like you said, get that data, find out what the benefits of the product are, find out, like you said, right? Why did they buy or why didn't they buy? What are those hesitations? Are you handling those objections on your website and yeah. your marketing efforts? All of those types of things. Cause I think, right, you're absolutely right. It's, it's sometimes it's really easy to just assume. I mean, I can't tell you how many clients come our way and they already have an assumption of exactly who their target customer is. And then once we dig into the data, once we run all these surveys, we find out like, no, you're wrong. You're, this is not your, your target customer. So yeah. already we know you're speaking to them incorrectly because you assumed it was, you know, 55 plus year old women, but we just found out your target market's 35 to 45, whatever it is, right? Like simple things, yeah. but then that, that snowballs into a much bigger negative effect. And, and, you know, you're not going to be marketing to the right person, you know, in the right ways. I feel like it's, it's so easy to skip over that. Yeah, and Samir, to, to, to build a bit on uh, on top of what you've just said, uh, I think the, the, the main reason this is happening is that the Facebook network, the Google ads, the, all these trainings are, are, let's say, making us believe that our audience equals our ideal customers, which is wrong. You know, if you look in demographics, if you look at your fan base, if you look at the visitor profiles on Google Analytics, those are not your best customers. There are, those are simply visitors that you attract with your products. But once you do, for instance, RFM segmentation, which RFM stands for recency, frequency, and monetary value, once you segment your database and once you see, okay, which are the 5% of my customers which are generating 35% of my total margin? And how, what, what, which are the ones that buy over and over again bought more, most recently, most frequently, and they have the highest customer lifetime value. And after you survey them and after you, you apply the demographics on them, then you will know which, are, which is your uh, bullseye, right? Which are your golden goose that uh, they are giving the golden eggs. They are making you profitable. And once you know that, then guess what? Your acquisition will be uh, better. Your conversion rate will be better because they would... Uh, 
their responses will be actually ads. You just need to, to build on top of what they've just said. What made you buy again from, from us? And they, they respond and they respond in plain English in, with their simple words that other customers can relate to. Otherwise, we overmarket uh, things, you know, we, we overdo things, we, we are over creative, and basically we, we make ourselves misunderstood by our uh, customers. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's, yeah, it's, it's so important to pay attention to that stuff. And then I think you sort of alluded towards sort of something that I see time and time again with, with clients and friends, other business owners, like the shiny object syndrome, right? Like it's so easy to just go, oh, well, Facebook's too expensive. TikTok's my answer, right? And yeah. you should be diversifying your media. Like you absolutely should be doing things like that. But if you're not looking at the problem or if you're not making those difficult choices, just like you said, right? Or, or making those difficult decisions. Um, yeah, like you said, if, if you could just increase your conversion rate by 10% or 20% or or the sections of the funnel, right? I think that's another yeah. important one that so many people ignore. They're like, oh, I started running A-B tests. When's my conversion rate going to go up? No, 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 no. What if 50% of the people are getting to a product page that weren't now or just adding to the cart? All those metrics are, are super important. And, and I know you alluded towards that. Um, so, I mean, how high of a priority, you know, should CRO be for businesses and, and should they be A-B testing their website? Yeah. Yeah. So I think these acronyms are, are, are a bit uh, misleading, but uh, let, let's play with that. Uh, let's play yeah. with that, Samir. If you have a traffic problem, so if you don't have enough traffic, it's clear that you need traffic so that you can validate your business model. If you already have product market fit, so meaning... If the NPS is good enough and if people are satisfied about what you're selling and if they rate you kudos for, for, for your products and they, if they say that they will recommend you to, to their peers, it's clear that you validated that you have a good product and then it's the moment to scale. Scaling, though, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of hard if you don't know what kind of message to, to use. And basically, the conversion rate optimization is crucial once you have product market fit. Right, And in order to know that you have product market fit, you need NPS. You need to ask them what are the chances from 0 to 10 to recommend us to a friend or colleague. Once you know that, then you know that you have a good product if you have a good enough product. If you don't, go back to the drawing board, make, make fantastic products because the market will eat you alive. And uh, <laughs> uh, if, you, if you don't have product market fit, it's clear what you have to do. But if you have it, then go to the uh, traffic part. So maybe it's around SEO or it's about social media or it's about uh, nailing down the ads if you don't have enough traffic. But once you have enough traffic, let's say once you reach 20 to 25,000 visits per month, so when you go north of that, you can uh, already run a, a, a test per month, let's say. Once you go more than uh, 40,000 to 50,000 visits a month, then you can even do more, more of that. So my suggestion is to uh, understand when is the... Um, uh, right moment. And the right moment, it's, uh, it's revealed by your data, right? We have this, uh, for instance, I'm going to give you the link to, to share with the audience today. We have a, a thing called the e-commerce growth formula. You simply insert over there. Sorry, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's raining like crazy here. And it's, uh, it, was, uh, it was an alert from Flood. the authorities. Flood yeah, warning. Yeah. Don't, don't get flooded out on us. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So uh, I was saying about this e-commerce growth formula, it allows you to, to simply insert your own data, like how much traffic you have, what's your conversion rate, what's, what's your uh, purchase frequency, so on, how many orders a customer is placing, what's your customer retention rate. Uh, and once you know all of those things, you will be in a position to, to see what's going to move the needle more. Are you in a position to focus on more traffic or on more conversions? Are you in a position to focus on customer retention and purchase frequency? So, uh, uh, or are you, you, you still need uh, more traffic? So, or you need to decrease your customer acquisition cost because basically it's uh, the data will reveal where you are. Now, if you're data driven, you need to monitor these things and you need to look at them. So you, you need to, to know like uh, 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 anytime you ask yourself, how am I doing? You, you don't have to respond, how am I doing? Only looking at things like revenue, but you can look at things like the traffic is up, the conversion is down, the customer lifetime value is up, so I need to do this. So basically it, it's like trying to, 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 I don't know, fly a plane without having all this uh, nice uh, 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 data over there on your board. How do you call them? Like uh, those meters, you know? Altimeters, yep. speed meters, and so on. So those are your uh, your 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 best friends if you want to level up your e-commerce game. And I, you spoke about it earlier, but you know, curious about maybe some tips that you'd recommend for increasing the the customer retention because I think that's yeah. an important piece that you brought up. Yeah, of course. My uh, my my most favorite. Uh, way is to to understand which of those three problems you you have or which of those three problems is the the most important problem for you to solve so customer retention has three aspects right it's also it's either a problem of what you say as a company which is marketing it's either a problem of what you sell as a product or it's either a problem of what you do as a company. So what you say, what you sell, what you do. What you sell is marketing. What you, um, what you say is marketing. What you sell is product assortment and merchandising. And what you do is customer experience, the whole customer journey. So uh, before doing anything about uh, increasing the customer retention, my suggestion is to understand, to get the customer experience out of the way. Because it's very... Uh, unexpensive to monitor NPS and to get feedback about the bugs that you have in your customer journey, right? Uh, asking your customers what are the chances to recommend you and then asking them why they gave you this rating will allow you to, to open up a whole new understanding about your own business, right? So it's like suddenly you have feedback from, I don't know, dozens or hundreds or even thousands of customers that say, you know what, this is your problem. And you will have the list of top three problems that you need to fix. It can be product quality, it can be customer experience, it can be whatever it is, but fix that. If your NPS is, I don't know, above 85, then you don't have to, to, to bother uh, about it. It's a marketing game, right? Simply add more marketing in the mix. But if your NPS is lower than that, that means either your product, either your, your customer journey should be, should be fixed. Once you do this, so that's one way to improve customer retention. Another way is, and of course, the, the uh, fundamental of uh, increasing customer retention is to monitor it, right? You can't improve what you don't measure. So if you don't measure customer retention rate, 
go out there and do it. You can either look at repeat purchase rate if you're on Shopify, which is a very simple and straightforward way. Or if you want more advanced things, guess what? We have worked in the last nine years to build a, a product exactly for that, which is monitoring customer retention rate. So the uh, another thing that you could be doing for customer retention is called RFM segmentation. I've touched this subject a bit earlier, meaning you segment your customers according to how recently they've bought, how frequently they've bought, and what's their monetary values. So you will end up having all sorts of customer groups, like you'll have your ideal customers, we call them the soulmates, they've bought more recently, let's say they've bought 10 times from your store and they have the highest customer lifetime value. Then you have lovers, which are almost there, but not as valuable as those ones. Then you have uh, about to dump you customers, you have uh, newly acquired customers, you have ex-lovers, which are ex-lovers, right? Customers that used to buy from you very, very often, and now they, they are not doing this anymore. And last but not the least, uh, you, you will have uh, breakups, like low-value customers that you, you shouldn't be caring too much about them because uh, they are either they're either price bargain uh, how, bargain hunters, either uh, customers that are not simply in love with your uh, your products and that's why they are not buying again. So basically knowing these customer groups will allow you to understand how to acquire better customers. And that's the first thing that the best thing that you can do for, for your customer retention, right? So start by acquiring the right product, the right customers with the right products. It's like in that saying from Desmond Tutu, we should be stop, we, we should stop saving people from drowning. We should we should go up the stream to see why they are falling into water. So meaning you should be acquiring the right customers from the very beginning. And that's how you increase uh, customer retention in a nutshell. Of course, I can talk for weeks on, on this subject and I actually did. And that's why we built the CVO Academy to with, I don't know, around 20 hours of content on these topics. That's awesome. So I'd love for you to touch upon, you know, we were talking about it earlier, but I would love for you to talk about optimizing the customer journey just with the data-driven data decisions. Yeah. So uh, on, on this subject, I think the, the, uh, an important aspect is to understand what kind of touch points you as a company have with your customers. Yeah. We, 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 have, uh, we have this habit of doing things uh, uh, on autopilot, right? Not differentiating enough, having all this, uh, I don't know, stiff, automated email confirmations uh, or whatever. So analyzing the customer journey means looking from the very beginning, from the acquisition phase to the post-purchase phases, where your company is touching the customers and what kind of emotions you are generating. Because people are getting into the buying habits once they have a, a, a good experience, right? Nobody wants to repeat a bad experience or at least... Uh, most of the the people on this planet are, are looking to repeat good experiences. So once you understand what kind of emotions you are uh, activating in your customers at all these touch points, you will you will need to work more like a movie director, right? Optimizing customer journey means not to invest and overinvest in package inserts and all that stuff, which are amazing as well. But you can simply change the words that you're using, right? Be more friendly if, you're, if your brand is like that or explain more about how to use the product or how to make progress with your product with the post-purchase uh, email campaigns. Or simply understand that when customers are 
uh, starting to churn. So it's an if the if this then that, right? So it, these are scenarios that you can put on autopilot. If customers are starting to churn, let's say if usually the purchase cycle is uh, customers are buying uh, coffee, let's say every three weeks from your store, and you have customers that used to buy every three weeks from your store, but now there are four weeks, you can trigger automatically an email, hey, you need to restock your coffee, here's how. And basically you are more helpful and relevant to your customers than you could be by simply bombarding everyone with discounts. And I, uh, I think that's, that's important when you craft a customer journey. And uh, at the end of the day, we are all consumers. We're all, uh, we, we are all buying things, right? And it's not about the price anymore. I mean, I, I was looking at these Google Trends, uh, cheap versus best, and best is outcompeting cheap by by large in the last ten years. So people are not looking for the cheapest uh, products anymore. They are looking for the best products, right? They are looking for for customer experience. Because let's presume I'm uh, I have this iPhone, and basically I can find it on I don't know. 500 different vendors and that's only here in uh, where I live in Romania but if I go international there are maybe thousands of vendors from where I could buy the same product so what's making you different that's the question if your product is not I don't know outstanding and fantastic and you're the only one that sells that that product which mostly is not the case right so you need to think outside the box. You need to go outside the product and to understand what kind of experience you could be crafting. And uh, and it was uh, it was a funny saying from uh, from um, Joseph Pine. Uh, he's the author of uh, uh, the Experience Economy, and he said something which blew my mind. Like we need to start to think what we should be doing in terms of customer experience, so that it's so fantastic that we are charging customers just to have access to it, right? Not to buy products, just to have access, you know, charging customers to have access to such an amazing experience that we are preparing. Because that's the new arena. That's where we, we, we should be playing right now. Marketing is not enough anymore. Products are not enough anymore. We need marketing, we need products, and we also need customer experience. And that's how you, you, you craft it. And I feel like a lot of the, the smaller brands get really worried about that because they can't offer maybe the best customer experience yet, or they can't offer the best customer service because maybe they're a small team or they're not sure what yeah. to do. And I feel like in those instances, then they also shy away from just being real too. Like just like saying yeah. who they are, right? Say that you are a small, small mom and pop shop or that you're a two founder team and you're only have one other team member and, because then people actually appreciate that and then we'll we'll almost become more repeat customers and become your customer advocates because they are like saying, hey, this is an awesome product that I love and I want to support this <laughs> this small, small company. Yeah, this small company. And and I feel like all these, you know, these brands, they're 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 so focused on appearing to be this bigger brand than they actually are at that point. Right. And then yeah. it, and then it almost negatively affects them and bites them in the butt because then we, the customer, are now exposed expecting that higher level customer experience, that higher level of customer service that you can offer when you're a 20 person company or whatever it is, but you're only two people and I don't know that. Yeah. So how can I, you know, but I'm going to expect the wrong experience where I'd be way more patient with you if I knew you're only a two person team or whatever. Yeah. When you're, when you're small, you actually have an, uh, 
unfair advantage uh, against bigger companies. You can show that you actually care. You give a damn about things. And uh, statistics, according to Nielsen, 68% of the customers that don't come back, don't come back to buy again from a company, not because they've been uh, attracted by the competitors or uh, because of the price. They feel like you don't care about them. So when when I feel that the company doesn't care about me, it doesn't matter the price, you know? It's actually, I'm, I'm voting with my wallet. I'm not going to buy again from a company which is not giving uh, a damn about me. And there are a, a plethora of, uh, of examples like, uh, like that. And customer experience do matter. I mean, even big, big companies, you know, it was that famous uh, example with American Airlines that they threw away a, a passenger uh, and they've lost one billion in market value just because of that incident. And we are more powerful than ever. We as consumers, we are we as customers. And that means we should be uh, uh, leveraging the fact that we care. We should be showing that that we care. You know, we, you can record small videos with your phone saying thank you for your order. You know, I'm Robin and I've just started out. We are six months uh, six months old company and thanks for buying your I don't know shoelaces from us and uh, buy now. And you can send that and you can attach that uh, after the, the purchase because it's not like you can do other things, right? You, you can get your promoters and you can activate the network effect thanks to these small things that the big companies can't put on autopilot because it's too expensive for them to do it. And they, they are not, let's say, uh, they, they don't care enough to, to, to do it. But you can do it and you can leverage that to your, uh, to your advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a great, great point. Yeah, I, I think that's super important. Like, just don't be afraid to do that. Don't be afraid to reach out to your customers. Don't be afraid to reach out to even abandoned carters. <laughs> like, it's just, yeah, it's so simple yeah. and, and people ignore it. Um, I'd love for you to touch upon improving customer lifetime value, especially using first and, and zero party data, but just in general as well. Yeah, sure. So, um, I'm a big fan of blending zero-party data with first-party data, and that's because of the ad costs are too high. We have a, we have a capacity right, right now. We have a feature called the Audience Builder, where we help companies to use their existing data, so data about their current customers, and to build audiences based on them. So then they are actually improving the algorithm, the Facebook ads algorithm, the Google ads algorithm, to attract better customers because they inform this uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram and whatever that, you know what, these are the customers that I want, you know, find more like them. And now that people are not sharing data uh, as they used to, uh, we have some statistics here in Europe that only one out of three per, uh, are, are actually sharing data with Facebook, which is like you, you have access to only a third of customers that you, of uh, visitors that you, you used to. So uh, I'm a big fan of blending zero with first party data. Here's my uh, best method out there. You know, that, that's what I would do if I, uh, if I would be an uh, e-commerce entrepreneur. I start with the customer research, find out what's the job to be done, right? What's the desired outcome? What gets customers from A to B, you know? What's their mindset towards my product? Understanding the jobs to be done allows me to craft different uh, messages, to craft different creatives and to be really, really 
effective with my creativity. So uh, it's not a, that I'm against being creative, but I'm against being creative, but not relevant. So you need both things. You need to be relevant and creative because if you have both of those things, you're fantastic, right? You decrease your customer acquisition cost because you're more, more effective. So you do the customer research. You understand what, what the heck are you buying and to whom. Once you know that, you collect zero-party data early on. On If you go on our website right now, on omniconvert.com, you, you will see a, a, sur a survey which is being triggered. We ask you if you're an agency, if you're an e-commerce, what kind of problem do you have? And then we guide you down the line so that we are giving you a better uh, customer experience. And we collect the leads so that we follow up in the right way. If you, uh, if you have this problem, we'll give you this type of experience. So that's exactly something that you can do for your e-commerce as well. We, had, uh, we have been working, for instance, with a company called the Turmeric Co. They are selling turmeric shots, which are amazing, by the way. Their customers are over the moon uh, thanks to their, um, to their products. And thanks to the customer research and the jobs to be done methodology, they found out that their best customers are not young people which are there to play the sport better and to overtrain themselves, but they were actually elderly people looking to get rid of pains and arthritis because turmeric is fantastic to, for, for, for this type of purposes. And guess what? They were not communicating to their best customers with, with their website and with their ads. And once you know that, guess what? Your customer lifetime value is going through the roof because you acquire your better customers. You, you communicate the job to be done. So they use zero-party data with the survey and ask the customers why, uh, why, why are they on their website to get more energy, to boost their immunity, to get rid of pain or to have more energy and whatever. And thanks to that, they tag the customers. We send data to Shopify, back to Shopify, Tag those, tag those, tag those uh, visitors, collected their email addresses, follow up differently on email, crafted different uh, remarketing ads to them according to the job to be done. Then if they've bought, followed up with different email onboarding flows because there were three main jobs to be done. And according to the three jobs, the email sequences were about, I don't know, if you're about pain, here's how you get rid of pain despite the turmeric shots because it's all about helping customers make progress in their lives, right? If they have a problem, they will perceive you as the solution provider if you articulate the problem properly and if you show ways to get rid of that problem. So that's how you blend zero-party data with first-party data. And once you have this type of flows, you, you, at the end, you also blend them with the RFM segments, right? Because you have newly acquired customers, you have repeat customers, and you have lapsing customers. And if you, 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 you see that customers are in uh, uh, danger to, to slip away, you trigger another email regarding the benefits of the turmeric for job number two. So basically, that's, that's the way to go with the zero-party data and first-party data. This company in particular grew their uh, customer uh, lifetime value by almost 40%, which is amazing year over year. So mainly that's, uh, that, that's one, one tip that I can uh, offer you. And uh, another tip regarding customer lifetime value is to, guess what, measure it, right? I mean, it's, it, it's so amazing how many people are, are speaking about customer lifetime value. They know that it's important, but they don't even know what is their customer lifetime value? Is it going up or down? Because if, you're, if this is going down, 
then you need to do something about it. And be, basically, uh, I, we have this saying, my father used to tell me this uh, over and over again, that uh, the need will teach you, but you need to know what's your need, you know, to, to distinguish the needs from desires. What's real need, right? And basically, that's, that's what's happening with the uh, e-commerce leaders out there. And unfortunately, yeah, I do know for, for, for fact, because we have a lot of customers and uh, we have a lot of uh, conversations, uh, I do know that there, there's a bloodbath out there on the e-commerce uh, landscape at, at this moment. And uh, I think it's time to become way more data-driven and customer-centric in order to move the needle on the, on the long run. Yeah, absolutely. So important. Like you said, super competitive. Yeah, we we had uh, someone on the podcast recently called Caveman Foods and they, you know, they, they sell these bars and, and they and it, made the same point that you no just internet. made earlier where they were speaking to the wrong, uh, they, they were, they were speaking to the wrong customer. They're, they were trying to attract these like 30 year old men and and they came up with these really high quality videos but they didn't convert well at all and then they mm -hmm. all they did was change the messaging to i think it was like curb your kill your cravings and speaking to 55 plus year old women and that's it it just crushes everything else and it's the simplest yeah. ad it's not this high production video and you know and and, and it just converts at, at the highest you know, just because they once they actually paid attention to the data, paid attention to who the customer was, what the problem that they're that they solved, just like you said, the product kind of from A to B, where yeah. you know what is the gap that they're filling. Um, so I'm curious, just on a hot topic, right? Because it's on everybody's mind. Given that cookies are going to be disappearing in the near future, and and you just alluded, to online privacy is is a certainty, right? I'm curious what challenges you think this is going to pose for businesses and then how can they be over trying to overcome these challenges? Yeah. Uh, you need to have your own radio station. You need to broadcast and, and you need to broadcast to your, com to your own community of customers. And in order to do so, you have to grow your, uh, your own database. So I think email is, uh, it's a fantastic tool. We've all seen the, the over-reliance on uh, third-party platforms is not the way to go. We, we've seen, I don't know, I, I'm, I used to come from, the, from moments when uh, uh, my page of 200,000 uh, fans were, had a, a reach of 30% for anything that we posted out there. And guess what? At some moment, Facebook said, no more, but you can pay ads to reach your own uh, fan base after we paid a lot of money to, to grow that list. Imagine investing all those money and all those efforts into having our own email database, but you can't go back in time, right? So mainly you have to own the relationship with your customers. You have to build your own database and you need to understand what is the cost to uh, generate a lead. So what, what is the cost per lead and what kind of, uh, let's say, lead magnets, what kind of uh, valuable assets can you build so that you can get more people in your email list? So I think it's a, it's a game of uh, building your own email list and then leverage it uh, properly. Uh, uh, and basically, once you have those emails, you can also do remarketing ads on them because you, you will have known, known uh, 
prospects and known customers. So that's one way to, to do it. Another way to do it is, as I've said earlier, you can build lookalike audiences based on your best customers. And Facebook is actually suggesting that. One of our first early adopters, uh, a big uh, uh, furniture retailer here, one of the biggest, it's uh, an IKEA competitor out he uh, here, they, uh, they increase their ROAS by 20% just by working with RFM-based lookalike uh, audiences to acquire new customers. So basically, you can make it happen. I mean, it's, uh, it's all a matter of uh, doing other things that uh, you, you, you could be doing and put it, putting them on, uh, on autopilot. Yeah, I, I love I love thinking about that stuff. Thinking about yeah, like you said, RFM based segmentation so important. I think it's something that's so easily <laughs> ignored, um, especially for businesses that maybe sell like similar price points or their average order value doesn't fluctuate that much. But it's still so important to be paying attention to and, and utilizing that that data. Um, so curious, what advice would you give? You know, other founders, other marketers, other business owners that are trying to break maybe some some different revenue marks, right? The five million mark, the ten million mark, the twenty million mark. Um, mm -hmm. You know, a lot of them will, will always struggle to hit through those ceilings. Yeah, what advice would you would you give them? Yeah, so until you get to one million, so until you get to a seven figure uh, company, you should be focusing like crazy on the. Uh, the uh, acquiring the right customers with the right messaging. So basically, it's a game of acquisition and it's a game of uh, product market fit. Once you, like I've said earlier, once you validate that you have product market fit, you should be worrying about other advanced metrics like uh, conversion rate, uh, purchase frequency, customer lifetime value. Uh, in order to get from one to five, though, you should be leveraging the power of your team so mainly what you can't postpone forever is to build a, a, a team so your job as an entrepreneur is to make your job so well that you earn enough money to afford to hire someone which is better than you are or at least as good as you are because you can't invest your time if you're the founder and the ceo you can't be a full-time manager you can't be a full-time uh, uh, buyer of uh, to acquire new new customers you can't feel, be a full-time developer and so on so basically what i would be uh, getting first i would be getting someone to if i'm a good marketer i would be getting someone that helps me with fulfillment and with other areas of the business where it's easier to find the valuable people if you're not a good marketer though then tough luck <laughs> you you have to find a good marketer so Basically, the once you reach, I don't know, six figure, you you should be focusing on uh, on your uh, on your team as well. So it's uh, it, the entrepreneurial journey journey. It's a uh, it's a journey of firing yourself from all the roles, right? Understanding what the role should be, what should be the right person on the right seat, and then getting yourself out of there, right? Recruiting, getting the uh, talent, talented people on those uh, positions and then leveling up, leveling up. It's all, it's all a matter of uh, not staying too much in the shoes of a, of a certain role within the company. And uh, uh, another important aspect, once the, you reach, let's say, uh, eight figures, uh, I think it's time to, uh, to, do, to place long bets. Mainly what I'm seeing right now is that in, in these uncertain times, 
most companies are focusing on uh, cash flow, profitability, immediate results. But I think it's also an opportunity because if you can afford it, you could be investing. And that's something that I've always done as an e-commerce entrepreneur. I got 10% of my marketing budget for long shots, which were basically long shots, as the name says. But every month we had this type of long shots, all the crazy things that you can imagine. We we got, I don't know, we've bought uh, anniversary cakes to uh, and and send them to, the, to, to our... Uh, uh, best customers to get amplified through them. We, 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 we've built some something like uh, postcards. You know, here we in Bucharest we had this uh, problem with parking spots. You know, and uh, people were fighting for parking uh, parking lots. And uh, we we invented something which was branded because we were selling car insurance, and people put it. They, they just put their phone number when they've parked not like they used to, you know, when they've stolen other people's uh, parking spot. And basically it, it was a campaign to encourage uh, people to actually do the right thing, but also to have humane relationships with, with themselves. And uh, all, you, we got to the street and we've seen from time to time, we, we have seen, you, you know what, we've done this and we could recognize that, that that was one of our actions or all sorts of things. You know, at some point we, 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 we've built a, a, a Facebook app to to validate how good driver are you, you know, you, we have these tests to, to that you, there were precisely tests to, to validate that you're a good driver and you know the, the, the rules, you know, you have a tramway coming from the left and uh, in front, you have this sign, what do you do? And we've made it to, to look also funny. We, we've made them to, to look funny as well. And they, they, they got viral. So it, uh, that's how we've got to, uh, to 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 get uh, fifty thousand people rating themselves as good drivers, you know, because we gave this uh, recognition, like I'm an A type of uh, driver, all sorts of long shots. So it's it's all a matter of getting eyeballs to your brand, because uh, if you don't do this, and if you only do your job fantastically well, shipping the right products with the right packaging, but not talking about what you do and what you solve. You're you're not gonna move the needle. It's a it's a tough world out there, and it's a it's a world where you need fantastic customer experience, but also you need to have uh, uh, you need to find your voice. You know, find your voice as a brand. Because if you don't find your voice, you will not uh, you will not thrive. You will not make it. Yeah, you won't stand out in any way. You'll just be a yeah. me too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I really, 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 really appreciate the time. Really awesome insights. Um, last question would be any book recommendations, anything you've been reading lately that you recommend or, or anything that you've read in the past? Yeah. So for entrepreneurs, I recommend a book that I wish I, 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 I could read 10 years ago, even though it, it, it has only two years uh, since it's, uh, written. It's called, uh, who not how it's a fantastic book to, to understand, uh, what kind of uh, questions you, you could ask yourself as an entrepreneur. Another fantastic book is uh, uh, from coming from Matthew Seed. It's, uh, I think it's out there just a second. This one, you know, Black Box Thinking. It's a fantastic book. It's, it's incredible. It's, it's, it, it deciphers how, how, how we are making mistakes and how we, we can develop a growth mindset uh, by doing this kind of uh, mistakes. And the, the idea is to, to get marginal gains by 
shifting the way we look at the, the mistakes that we are doing because that's the zero moment of truth. You know, when we, we do a mistake, we can extract the value and understand what is our decision-making process or we can say, you know what, tough luck. I'm a good person and you will repeat the mistake. And basically there are, there are all sorts of examples in this book, which I think it's, a, it, it's amazing for anyone that wants to build a growth mindset. And I think at the end of the day, it's not about the external journey, it's about the internal journey. We, we, we have limited time on this beautiful planet and it's all a matter of growing ourselves and activating our true potential and uh, ha having, uh, having uh, fun while we, while we live. And in order to do so, we need to adjust the way we think, the way we look at things. And uh, I think this, this is a fantastic book for, for anyone which is in, uh, uh, in this game. Of course, I have tons of books, but I'm not gonna uh, waste too much of your time. Uh, we, we, with these recommendations but anyways you can find me on linkedin if you think i can uh, be of help do uh, let me know contact me let me know how can i help because i got here by asking other other folks about the shortcuts that they've used during this process that's awesome thanks valentine i really appreciate the time i encourage everybody to check out OmniConvert and also definitely be checking out the cvo academy uh, that Valentina has started recently and we'll have links to everything uh, in the in the description thanks again valentine really appreciate the time thanks as well samir and thanks everyone for being here today with us and i wish you a fantastic life ahead Samir El Kamuni here. Thank you so much for listening to Ecom Growth Leaders podcast. If you are a successful brand that is crushing it and would like to be on this program, please visit go.ecomgrowthleaders.com/podcast-guest. If you got something out of this interview, please share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on social. Ecom Growth Leaders is sponsored by Fetch and Funnel, a performance marketing agency specializing in omni-channel media buying, creative production, and conversion optimization. We've partnered with 100 plus brands and generated over 500 million for clients using our trademarked Fetch and Funnel method. We have tons of content over our, at our blog, fetchfunnel.com blog, and also some amazing eBooks like How to Crush Your Competitors, and how to produce high converting creative. Thanks again for listening to Ecom Growth Leaders. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. So to make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. And it means a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, fetchfunnel.com, or follow us on social. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.